Welcome to the Pastor Nora King Podcast. We're confident that the message you're about to hear will enhance and empower your life in God. Now, here's Pastor Nora. This morning, I'm going to talk to you about true greatness. You know, in our day and in our society and even in the world, if you were to go to individuals, and if I were to come to you this morning, and I would uh, say to you, who's the greatest? What is true greatness? You know, we would get all kinds of responses concerning that. You know, in our society, if you're a celebrity, if you're a sports figure, you know, if, you, if you've done something outstanding, then we would say, well, they're great. And they may be in the contributions that they may uh, have made. But that's not the kind of greatness that I'm going to talk to you about this morning. The true greatness is what Jesus talked about from the scripture for his people. And he outlines for us, if you want to be great, then here's what you need to know. And this is what you need to do. And so people can look at God's people as they are doing the greater things for God. And they may look at them and they may think, how just ordinary. You know, how ordinary are they? What are they really doing with their life? Well, if you're doing the things that we talk about this morning, God smiles on you and he says, you please him. And maybe you're at a place in your life where uh, when we talk about these things that relate to greatness, you'll see that there needs to be improvement in your life. Or you'll see that maybe you're really not doing those greater things that God talks about in the Word. It can start and it can begin today. This is what I love about God. It's never too late. You can come in. You can be a part of what he says in his word. And if you haven't been a person that's really served the Lord and served his people, today it can change. Did you hear what I said? Today, you don't have to wait till tomorrow. You don't have to do something outside of this place. This morning, when you hear God's word, if you say, Lord, I receive that, I want that, and I'm going to act on that. The change is here. Amen? So we need to be people that understand what greatness is. True greatness from the scripture. Because the world's got a way of framing what greatness is. And, you know, even Christians, they, they can get into that flow of what society and the world puts out of what greatness is. And, and we forget what God has said. But we're not going to do that this morning. We're going to focus. Amen? So... In Philippians 2, uh, verse 5 through 7, you can turn there in your Bible, in the Amplified, Philippians 2, 5 uh, through 7, I'm going to read from the Amplified. Let this same attitude and purpose and humble mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. I think this is so interesting. Let this same attitude and purpose... 
be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, this attitude and this purpose to be in you, you have to allow it. Let this attitude, the King James says, let this mind be in you. In other words, you have to allow it. The mind of the Lord, as it relates to greatness, you have to allow it to come into your life. Because human understanding and reasoning keeps it at bay. But God said, let this attitude be in you. Open yourself up to allow it to be a part of your life. Whatever you allow is allowed. Whatever you disallow is disallowed. And so you can make that decision to see greatness through the eyes of God and through the Scripture. Amen? So he said, you have to allow him to be in you, to this mind to be in you. And it says, let him be your example in humility. Now again, we can look up to people. We can look up to them and think they're the greatest. But God said, look to him for your example of humanity. Not your family, not the media, not your own unrenewed thinking, but focus in on Jesus. Let Him be your example for humility. Who, although being essentially one with God in the form of God, possessing the fullness of the attributes which make God God, did not think this equality with God was a thing to be eagerly grasped or retained, but stripped himself of all privileges and rightful dignity so as to assume the guise of a servant or a slave in that he became like men and was born a human being. He gave up everything to come here to gain us. But he had a mind, he had an attitude, and he had a purpose. And it was a humble purpose. It was humility. It was to serve others. Now, I want to say this to you this morning. We are servants. That's who we are. And you're going to see that in a minute. I'll talk a little bit more about it. But we are servants. And see, that is so contrary to the human mind. We, it's almost, it sometimes could be repulsive. I don't want to be a servant. But God said, let this mind be in you. Let the humility of Christ be in you. Allow it to be. And he left heaven and come to the earth. What? I mean, just look at that. To leave heaven and come to the earth? He stripped himself of those divine privileges and come to the earth to serve and to tell people the good news. Amen. And, we, and so we take his example. We follow his example. Can you say amen? amen. Jesus, had, his disciples had followed him. They had been with him in so many situations where Jesus was that humble servant who went about serving others, helping them, doing good, 
You know, healing people, delivering people, ministering to people. You know, I remember uh, the first time that it really resonated with me when Jesus cooked a meal for his disciples. Well, that's not spiritual. That's humility. That's saying, I'm not too good to do that. I'll do that for you. That these disciples, these were his disciples. They were, were his friends. These were people that he in, had invested in. But the funniest thing, when I, I think about how Jesus was that great example before them, and yet they didn't get it. They didn't get it. And this next scripture is going to tell you why they didn't get it. Now, this is in Luke 9. Uh, 46, we'll start there, and this tells you why they didn't get it. Then there arose a reasoning among them, which of them should be the greatest. Now, isn't that just like man? Isn't that just like us? There, there, and when you see reasoning, you think, well, you know, there was an exchange. There was a, co a conversation. No, that's not what was going on. There was a dispute. There was a debate about who was the greatest. Here, Jesus had set up this great example for these disciples and had imparted and ministered. And they didn't get it because after doing uh, these great works that Jesus did, they got together when they thought he didn't hear them and they started saying, well, look, I'm the one that Jesus really loves. I'm the great one. And Peter, I walked on the water. After all, that's the greatest. I'm the greatest. No, then the others began to banter back and forth, but you don't understand. I did this and I did that. So I'm greater. And see, that's the way we can be if we get caught up in that. Well, we did this and we did that. And accomplishments are great. And respecting people for what they do and what they accomplish, that's all good and, 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 and okay. But when it comes to, you know, climbing up that ladder, so to speak, people can be climbing up that ladder to success, if you will, and stepping on the people below them to get there. That is not God's way. Does he promote you? Yes, he promotes you. Will he increase you? Yes, he will increase you. But you've got to get there the right way. And it's not to put everybody else down so you can be up. That's not God's way. And so here we see these disciples, and they were arguing among themselves about who should be the greatest. And listen to this. Jesus is so awesome. He said, perceiving the thought of their heart, he took a child and sat by him and said unto them, whosoever shall receive this child in my name receives me. And whosoever shall receive me receiveth him that sent me. For he that is least among you all is the same shall be great. And so he's saying, you take a child, children for the most part are humble. They don't, you know, they don't have a lot of pretension. They haven't lived a long time, so they haven't, you know, got all the scenarios together of covering up or, you know, that kind of thing that we as human beings do, you know, after we grow up a little bit. 
And so he said, you need to be humble as this child. You don't need to be talking about which one of you is the greatest. There needs to be a demonstration of greatness. Not talking about yourself and your accomplishments and what you've done, but talking about the great things that the Lord has done and how that you can let that flow through you and express and manifest the greatness of God. Now, listen to this out of the Amplified, verse number 46. Gives you um, um, a good picture of this. It says, But a controversy arose among them as to which of them might be the greatest, surpassing the others in excellence, worth, and authority. Now, isn't that good? That's a good depiction of that scripture and what that they were doing. Now, did these men, these disciples, did they love Jesus? Yes, they loved Jesus. Were they dedicated to the cause of Christ for as much as they could be at that particular time? Yes, they were. But see, they still had the faulty thinking the mind of Christ, the humility of the Lord had not been formed in them. And Jesus is giving them another lesson. Look, you've got, you, if you want to be great, then you've got to be a servant. Isn't that what he said? The same, uh, for he that is least among you, all the same shall be great. So the least among you, humbly serving and doing things that others might not want to do. Or not, or not just they would not want to do, they're not going to do it. But we as God's people, we serve humbly. And we don't need to be debating among ourselves who is the greatest. Because we already know who the greatest is. Jesus is the great one, right? And we can achieve greatness through Him and through doing things His way. Now, uh, Luke 22 um, and 24, and this is out of the New Living, and I'm going to look to the screen for that. Uh, Luke 22, 24 through 27, and let's read that. Okay, can we do that? Then they began to argue among themselves about who would be the greatest among them. Jesus told them, in this world, the kings and great men, they lord it over their people, yet they are called friends of the people. We're not to lord over people, okay? Who is more important, the one who sits at the table or the one who serves? And he's going to tell you here, the one who sits at the table, of course, but not here, not in the kingdom, for I am among you as one who serves. Now here Jesus said, in the world, those in authority, those that are in high position, they lord it over people. He said, but you get your example for me. You carry authority, but you carry your authority and you serve others. Now remember a moment ago, I said that we are, to, we are servants that's who we are as God's people. We are servants and we serve. That's what we do. We serve. And it doesn't matter. Where do you serve? Well, you serve your family, you know, don't you? I mean, you, you know, you do. You serve your family. Mothers, what you do for your children. 
You serve those children. You minister to those children. You love those children. You impart to those children. Fathers, it's the same way in what you do. You know, then you go uh, to the job uh, situation and you're there. And you know, if you'll start seeing yourself as serving a servant who serves and not as want, well, I'm just going to do as little as I can to get by. I'm going to show you a person who will not achieve what God wants them to in their life and on that job and with their profession if they do not change that attitude. You have to let this attitude, this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. And that is the mind of humility and serving. And so if you serve your family, you serve um, in your um, job, and then you serve at church, don't you? Yes. Now, I, for a long period of time in my life, did really, I really didn't understand going to church. I go to church and I serve the Lord. But I didn't understand that I also serve the Lord. Yes, we serve the Lord through our singing, our praise, our lifted hands and worship, you know, and what we do and everything that goes on in a service. But then we serve the Lord through serving His people. Every week. We serve the Lord in our local church, or we should. You know, not saying that you have to do the uh, position uh, that you have signed up to serve in every week in the church, but this is the attitude that we have every week, the attitude of a servant. Amen? And so, as we looked at this scripture, there were arguments again among themselves who was going to be the greatest. They were... Um, different or to be different in God's kingdom than in the world. He was teaching them in the world it's this way, but in the kingdom it's another way. And so we, we go the kingdom way and that is servanthood. Amen? And Jesus said the leaders that you have need to be like servants. The leaders that are in the body of Christ need to be like servants. And we all, if we have that attitude, now we don't get into ridiculous things. I remember hearing a preacher say, you know, that people ask him to take them to uh, do their errands or go to the hair salon or things like, that's not what it's talking about. You know, that isn't. So I don't want to get into some ridiculous something. Can you imagine that? Just don't call me and ask me to take you to the salon. Call Eddie. <laughs> He'd love it. No, don't you do that. Because you wouldn't love it, okay? But we are to be servants in the right connotation, okay? So Jesus hearing his disciples uh, as they debated and disputed among themselves about who was the greatest, he decided to teach them something that would, they would never forget and that would change their life forever. And we're going to look at that today. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, as I uh, began to look at this scripture in John 13, and you can turn there if you want to, and uh, about Jesus washing the disciples' feet, I'm going to tell you, it, it just arrested me, if you will. I mean, I, I, I was just stuck 
reading this over and over again and meditating on it and how wonderful Jesus was in creating this visual so that his disciples would understand. And then today we understand it also through reading this. John 13 and verse number 4, we're going to read from there. John 13 and verse number 4. And supper being ended, uh, wait, I'm reading the wrong one. He rises up from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. Now, I want to talk a little bit about that. You know, as I, I just began to research that, I love to read after Adam Clark. And he's saying that when Jesus arose there, and, you know, lots of other scholars believe this too, that when Jesus arose, he, he wasn't eating. He was sitting at the table. They were all around the table. And, um, you know, you might even think, you know, he might be sitting there and maybe they hadn't even set the table yet. And so here is Jesus and he rises up and he takes off his tunic, his top outer coat, and he takes it off. And then he wraps a towel around his waist over the in inner tunic that he had on. And he began to teach them and he began to say some things. And I'm going to tell you, here's Jesus with these men who really don't get it and really don't understand. And so he, he's doing this, you know, taking that tunic and wrapping the towel around. And he pours water out into the basin and he picks up the towel and he wraps it around himself. Now I'm going to tell you something about this. In the days, in ancient days, what they did with that towel is, and, uh, and the water, it was a menial task in the homes. This was what was done. You know, people out and, you know, they're in the dust and dirt and all that and they come in and the, they get their feet washed by the servants, okay? And so these servants do menial tasks, and they take the towel, and they wash the feet and dry the feet. And Jesus blew them away. He blew them away because he said, I'm going to do that. I'm going to wash your feet. And they just couldn't believe it. They, they just didn't understand it. And so let's keep reading here. So he rises up from the table. He lays aside his garments. Now I want to say something about this right here. Laying aside his garments. We have to, when we are servants of the Lord and we serve others, we have to lay aside the garments you know, I have the garment, you know, I'm a professional, so I have the garment of professionalism. Well, I do this, and so I have a garment. You know, it could be a doctor's coat. You could have a lawyer's bag that you carry around. These are your garments. This is what you do in your profession. And so we would never stoop to do anything. Jesus said, 
I'm laying aside my garments. When we come to the church, when we're out in the world and we're helping people and ministering to people and serving people, we have to lay aside the garment. We can't be, okay, this is who I am and this is what I do and I don't do that. Jesus said, you follow me. Use my example. Let this mind be in you. And that is one of humility. And so here he is. He lays aside those garments and he took the towel and girded himself. And after that, he pours water into the basin and begins to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel. Then he comes to Simon, Peter. And Peter said, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? This is what... This is what a servant in the household, the menial task, you're going to wash my feet? And Jesus said, you're not washing my feet. But this is what I have saw from this scripture. When Peter said that, he wasn't trying to, um, to be, uh, you know, contrary to what God uh, wanted or Jesus wanted. He wasn't trying to be contrary. He was showing reverence. That's what Peter was, no, Lord, you can't, you can't do that. You can't do that. You're the Lord. You're the healer. You're the deliverer. You can't do that. And God, Jesus said, if I don't wash your feet, you don't belong to me. And then Jesus uh, saw Peter's whole attitude change. Okay, just wash me all over. <laughs> and Jesus said, well, you're taking it a little bit far. <laughs> You just need your feet washed. I'm going to tell you, have you, ever, have you ever washed anyone's feet? I know many people haven't. It's a very humbling experience for the one who's washing the feet, and it's a very humbling experience for the one who gets their feet washed. I tell you, if you want to get, you know, wrong thinking and pride and all that out, Wash someone's feet. It'll bring things into perspective. It really will. And the holy presence of God will show up too. It's amazing. Just absolutely amazing. And so here we see Peter's attitude changing when he began to understand this. And I just, I, as I read this, I just began to meditate again on it, like I told you. And I began to think, wonder if, now here is Jesus at this time where he's washing the feet, going to start to wash the feet of the disciples. And he knows Judas is going to betray him. He knows it. And wonder if, just wonder if, I don't know, wonder if he went to Judas first. Even though he knew even though he knew what Judas was going to do to him, betray him. The ugliness of that time. But Jesus washed his feet anyway, whether it was first or not. I just got to thinking about that and I thought, well, that's really, that's really interesting to me that Jesus, being Jesus, could take someone who was going to violate him so greatly and love them and serve them anyway. In 1 Samuel 25, 41, 
the story of Abigail and David. How many of you, you're, you're familiar with that story, you know? David runs into Nabal, Abigail's husband, and he is just a mean guy. He's mean and he's nasty. Very even temper, always nasty. (laughs) And so he was, you know, if you look up that word that describes Nabal in the scripture, it calls him churlish. And you know what that means? Cranky, hard to get along with, stubborn. There's nobody in this room like that. No. That's right. We've got renewed minds. We know how to act, right? We're learning too. And so Nabal responds to David when David and his men are coming through the area where Nabal and Abigail live. And um, they need supplies and they're asking. And Nabal just is mean, ugly, and the cranky man that he was just begins to respond to David and the men in a wrong way. And it in, uh, just inflames David. And so they're going to go and they're going to kill and wipe out everybody. And Abigail, his wife, had Nabal's wife, had a lot of wisdom. And she said, that son of Belial, you know, can you believe that she called her husband that son of the devil? He doesn't have any sense. He's mean and cranky and nasty to everybody. And she goes out to David to try to soothe and calm everything down. And this is what she said. Behold, let your handmaid be a servant to wash the feet of the servants of my Lord. See, here she is in this very volatile situation where things could have uh, escalated and it could have been a, a very bad situation for Abigail and the servants and everyone in their home. And she goes out and she said, I'm going to be a servant. She knew how to have the right attitude. And I'm going to tell you, uh, sometimes when uh, you know, people are doing and saying ug- ugly things to you. If you just become a servant and handle things and don't lash out at people and do that kind of thing, you know, uh, the, the anger causes uh, it to be like wrath that just is like a fire that blazes up and it's going to burn and it's going to hurt someone. But Abigail didn't do that. She could have said, my goodness, I didn't do anything. Why are you coming against me? But she didn't do that. She said, if you, he, she said, I'm going to wash the feet of your servants. I'm going to show you that I am a person of humility. I'm going to show you how that I am responding. My husband is doing one thing, but I'm going to do it another way. And what happens because of that? It all dies down, doesn't it? And it calms down. And later, you know, you know that whole scenario, uh, Nabal ends up dying, and David takes Abigail to be his wife. So that's pretty cool, isn't it? Well, I think so, don't you? And she had all the damsels and all the treasure. Isn't that great? We like, uh, we like treasure and we like to have our damsels to help us, don't we? <laughs> Women? Yeah. Got to have your hair damsel, your nail damsel, you know, your massage da- damsel. 
whatever, whatever you like. Okay. All right. So here we see again a response to washing the feet, being a servant, being one who serves. And so we can see here then true greatness is displayed in humility and being a servant. Amen? Now, when you look back at Jesus and, you know, what we were reading in John 13, and you begin to see that, uh, you know that Jesus, this example of washing feet, uh, could have been uh, a symbol, really, of cleansing by the blood, a cleansing. The water is cleansing. And so it could have been symbolic of that, the washing, the cleansing in our life by the blood of Jesus. And I receive that, don't you? I really do. Spiritual cleansing. So the disciples' thinking was wrong, and Jesus set them down. He taught them a lesson that I, I feel like would, would not leave them, just like it doesn't leave us. And in their thinking that, is, that was wrong, Jesus began to change their thinking, their outlook, and the way that they responded to life and to people. You know, get these children out of here. You remember that? Get these kids out of here. But what did Jesus do? He brought that child right up there and said, don't send them away. You need to be like a child. Isn't that something? So their thinking was wrong, and our thinking is wrong in many cases. And so we have to have our minds renewed, and we have to allow the mind of Christ and His attitude to be in us. We are servants again, and serving is what we do. We are servants, that's who we are, and serving is what we do. Not just in one compartment of our life. It's very important for you to understand that. The serving is not just for one compartment of our life. Well, I serve here. No, you serve here, and because you serve here, you serve in the other places. You serve on your job. You know, you serve in your family. You serve on outreaches outside of here. You go in the grocery store and you serve. I remember this uh, happened to me, and there was an elderly lady, and I was going in the store, and I could see, you know, it wasn't real easy for her to, you know, bring those groceries out and get them in the car. And so, you know, having let this mind be in you, I asked the lady, can I take your buggy? And she was so thankful for that. But you see, that's serving. So it's, you, you know, well, I sing in the choir, so I'm serving. Yes, that is serving. But there's more to serving than only that. We need to live a life of being a servant and serving. I, you know, I heard this story. It was, it was really, uh, really cute. And uh, this minister, and he goes in, you know, one of these home improvement stores, and he's standing there, you know, getting all the things that he needs, and he looks over, and there's this little lady that is standing there. And this little lady is having trouble. She can't reach, you know, she's elderly. She can't reach certain things. And he, he just 
finally, he looks over and he notices her and he said, ma'am, can I get that for you? Oh, and she said, oh, young man, I would love for you to do that. And now here is a minister and got a lot of responsibilities and a lot of things to do. And he said, just as he's reaching, the Holy Spirit in his heart said to him, ask her if you can go home with her and fix whatever it was that he was picking up. He said, Lord, I don't have time to do that. And so he told the little lady, he said, you know, you may have family, you know, that can help you. I don't know. And she says, oh, they're all too busy. They can't help me. And he said, well, would you like for me to go and fix this for you? And, you know, of course, she responded probably excitedly, you know, that somebody would be willing to serve. And I'm telling you that story to tell you this. It doesn't have to be when you're out to serve. Okay, today I'm serving. No, this is your life. You are a servant, and serving is what you do. So if we live that kind of life, and that... and. Uh, uh, no matter what we're doing and who we're talking with, can you not see how the world would be changed if th that mind of serving was in God's people alone? Even if it wasn't in the world, if it just got in God's people, if we just practiced it. Well, I want you to do that. And I, I know we've got people that are real servants in here. I understand that. But there's not any of us that couldn't kick it up a level, don't you think? And then some people, they just, this is, you hear things like this and it's like, I don't know about that. Well, it's in the Bible. And if it's in the Bible, it's for you. Amen? So we believe that. All right. Um, Matthew 23, 11 and this is out of the New Living Bible. Listen to this. It says, The greatest among you must be a servant. The greatest among you must be. It didn't say you should be. You need to think about it. It didn't say that. You must be. This is what Jesus is saying. The greatest among you must be a servant. And so we are to serve with our life. Everything that we do as a servant, we need to have the right attitude and heart. We need to have passion for our serving. We need to make people feel loved, not that it's drudgery. We're doing it, but we really don't want to. We don't need to make people feel that way. We need to love people, and we need to express it through our serving. I remember when we were um, in Israel, and something just really caught my attention. And two of the men that were with us, I don't know how many there were with us on that trip, maybe 30-something, I don't know, something like that. Uh, but I noticed two of the men that were a part of our group. And I watched them with um, the older people, and I watched them serve those people and help them get from place to place and do things. And that really, that just marked me when I saw that. And I thought, now those men are real servants of the Lord. And they're right here in this congregation. And they do all kinds of things 
all the time. But see, they were not just a servant when they're inside here. They were a servant when they're outside there. So I won't call their name. I might embarrass them. I don't know. But it really spoke to me when I saw that. So we are not too good to help others. Remember, Jesus laid aside his garments. We have to lay aside our garment of who we are uh, as far as a uh, professional uh, field or anything like that. And we just serve. We're not too good to do it. Well, you don't understand. I do this and I do that. I do understand it. But you know, most of all, Jesus understands it. He knows what you do. He knows what you're gifted. You know, he knows what your education was. But he still said, that doesn't make you the greatest. If you want to be the greatest, then you become a servant. And then you will be great. Galatians 5.13 says, But through love you should serve one another. Not just certain ones, but you serve one another. I don't like those people. Well, I'm sure that Jesus wasn't real thrilled about Judas and what Judas was going to do, but still, he ministered to Judas. You're going to have people like that, you know? And be a servant wherever you find yourself. Be a servant. Thanks for listening to this message from Pastor Nora King. If you'd like to contact us, you can visit us online at redemptionchurch.com. We'll see you back here next week for another powerful message from Pastor Nora.